21st Century Entrepreneurship with Martin Piskarik. Hello, Martin. My name is Frank Liceo. I am one of the co-founders and CTO of a company called Howdy.com. I didn't really consider myself a big entrepreneur. About four years ago, I quit my job after my co-founder kept asking me, hey, let's start this uh, business. We're, we're solving a problem here. And it really took her one whole year to convince me to leave my job as a high-paid software engineer and get paid nothing, bootstrap the company, and so on. Today, I'd love to talk a little bit about what that story was like, about what our company does now, and what we'd like to do in the future. I'll tell you a little bit about um, my background and a little bit about the company, just to give some context. I started my career as a software engineer uh, here in Austin, Texas. And I got pretty far in that, that career, you know, beyond senior engineer and so on. Um, but I'd always been curious about the, I guess the, the nature of, of business. So I built the software, but how was it sold? How was it marketed and so on? So I kind of had that, that uh, entrepreneurial drive. Um, all the while, all of a sudden, uh, about four or five years ago, Amazon, Google, Facebook, uh, Apple, all moved into our small city, Austin, Texas. And all, for us, it all of a sudden became really, really hard to compete against, let's say, Amazon for software developers uh, to build the products that I was working on. And so that's, uh, that's essentially the company that me and my uh, co-founder started, is making it very easy for companies in the U.S. to find, hire, manage uh, developers uh, and teammates around the world. About four years ago, around the same time, I was in charge uh, as a product manager of releasing a new uh, credit card and debit card rewards program. And it was a little bit of a challenge because I couldn't afford software developers that were that had to pay $200,000 a year for uh, with all this competition. And we were a small company. So our strategy was we're going to mix the team. We're going to hire people in Austin. And then we're also going to find teammates uh, in Colombia, where we could find them for, for a better, you know, for more affordable prices. Um, and the trouble was, though, is that once I spent all this hard time finding the teammates, they were not happy, not with me. They, they loved being uh, working on our team, but I had to work with them through an outsourcing firm. And that ended up being a little bit of a challenge because the outsourcing firm was controlling their salaries. I just got a bill at the end of the month. I didn't actually know how much what I was paying was actually given to the developers. And that's a big risk because talented people want to get paid what they're worth. So um, that was the, the, the sort of genesis of like, could we form the, a platform and an infrastructure for people in the US to find their teammates pay their teammates, provide them insur insurance and benefits, the whole full-time employee experience only where they lived. 
so that they could join and be normal team members uh, eat and work with people in the US just as though they were any other teammate. And then how can we make it easy for companies in the US to work with us and, and work, build their teams internationally like that? Uh, one of the one of the big um, uh, one of the big things that we discovered was that people in Latin America or just you know, really anywhere in the world, as much as possible, want to remove the middle person. Right? They they just want to work for directly for U.S. tech companies, but that can be really hard for U.S. tech companies for certain things. Imagine that a U.S. tech company has requirements on office spaces because they need to have uh, some sort of, you know, SOC 2 compliance or whatever. And they also have requirements on the laptops and so on. So it might be difficult for certain companies in the U.S. to do that with individual freelancers working out of their home. But if they but they also don't want to set up a whole enter, uh, entity, a corporate entity in a foreign country to set this up. So they work with partners like us who are those partners and that infrastructure on the ground to be able to do this. So by doing it that way, we're hoping that we're just that, uh, just an infrastructure and a platform for for building teams and, and uh, maintaining teams together. One of the things that I learned when I, we were doing this, when we started the company, uh, it's funny, sometimes problems seem completely insurmountable, but the first obvious steps actually cause you to learn a lot. So when we were starting the business, we, uh, believe it or not, we're, we were, me and my co-founder kind of looking at each other and we're like, okay, so we wanna, we wanna hire people you know, in, in a different country how do we do it? And not really knowing how, we're like, well, let's just go over there and, and spend time over there. So me and my co-founder spent weeks and weeks over there figuring this out. And so the first week that um, I was there, I lined up my, my Gmail calendar with as many coffee interviews uh, or just coffee talks with software developers uh, as, as I could. It, I was in Uruguay and in Buenos Aires. And what I had found out was that um, the best teammates that I really wanted to work with were not looking for jobs on the big platforms like Upwork or TopTel and so on. Because what I discovered was that it's a big risk for them because the the they don't necessarily know the company culture of the company trying to hire engineers on these platforms. Often they'll hire contractors, international contractors, and give them the stuff that people in the U.S. don't want to work on, which is which is horrible, right? Because you're trying to grow your career, and so you're working on the the backlog stuff that nobody cares about. Um, so, for our teammates, when they discovered that I was down there, they were very talented people, and that we had gone through Y Combinator, that we had careers in Austin and in San Francisco. Then all of a sudden, they realized, oh, you all can pre-filter these companies for me so that they're real companies that really want me to join on a long-term basis and build my career there. And so what that caused, um, sort of just what we had discovered was that the access to really good, talented people was much easier because we had better jobs. Uh, that was the value proposition for them. And in addition, uh, they it also filtered uh, the for the strongest uh, English skills, sort of that, that was one of the um, consequences. 
because they weren't going to be working behind a project manager who did all the customer facing stuff. In this model, these teammates are just teammates like any other teammate who, who wants to join. We also learned some interesting things like which countries have early um, uh, English immersion learning early in their careers. So for example, uh, I didn't know this, but Uruguay is it's very common for English immersion to be a, a, a curriculum. So we also understood which countries it was possible to find those uh, English speaking teammates to, to join a, a team full time. So our business model, this is another thing that we learned. So um, it, I've talked to a lot of entrepreneurs about this and sometimes I ask them, okay, so what is your pricing model? What, what, is, your, what is your margin? And is that something that maybe you put in your, in your marketing material, right? And they look at me like I'm, I have three eyes, like why would you put your profit margins in your marketing material, right? Your, your competitors are gonna know, they're gonna, you know, all this. Um, but me, what, what me and my co-founder found is that for certain transactions, maybe for everything, it's just better to be upfront because it naturally uh, filters out, uh, you know, maybe people who are price sensitive. It also builds trust immediately, especially with talented people. So the way it works is um, we, we don't keep a bench of, of developers ready to go. A team comes to us, they describe the kind of person they're looking for. And then we actually have recruiters on the ground who know people uh, who have, you know, we market there for, uh, we're a technology brand in Latin America. So um, we host marketing events, we host meetups and hackathons. So we have a, a network of people that we reach out to. Um, and then they, we let them know, here's, here's how it's structured. And we were just open to this with our teammates or with the colleagues and with the teams in the US. Um, the companies in the US will pay for three things. One is the developer's salary, and that developer's salary is their personal requirement. Two, the company in the U.S. will pay for the taxes and benefits. So we attract good talent by providing premium experiences, which means health insurance, uh, retirement plans, Apple equipment, and so on. And then finally, this is the part that gets people kind of like, oh, you're just going to be upfront about this? Yes. Our, our profit margin here is 15%. That's what we used to be a business. We're just upfront about that. Um, hopefully that's how I and me and my co-founder get to retire one day. And what we found is that by being upfront about that, customers are more trustworthy. Customers naturally filter themselves out and our teammates can decide if it's a bargain for them because they can also try to source these jobs and filter these companies themselves and they could probably get paid even more um, or they can work with a partner like us where maybe it's not as much. However, there's a trade-off. There's more security, there's more support and so on. So we're, we, we think it's a great idea. And we found while we were building our business to be honest and upfront about it. How do you communicate with your clients? So do you have, uh, this do, do you prefer any specific channel like LinkedIn? Did you have 
did you had any any concrete uh, marketing campaign that you would like to share with us? Yeah, yeah. So what we found in building our business is that without a brand, so we're not a household brand yet. But this time next year, uh, uh, Martin, I, I'm sure, I'm sure you know we'll be we'll be everywhere. You know, fingers crossed. Uh, <laughs> but what we found is that because we're so, and we tried an experiment where we tried to do LinkedIn campaigns and uh, Google AdWord campaigns. And without a household brand, at least in our experience, it's much too expensive to compete with firms who can afford to spend millions per month, right? So what we've pivoted recently and we've decided and what has actually given us the most value is to focus without a corporate brand, it's easier to make a connection with a personal brand. So we've focused a lot more on personal things. So personal content, helpful, you know, helpful tips and tricks on LinkedIn, on Twitter, and so on. And something funny happened. Uh, we didn't get as many leads, but the leads that we did get were much higher quality than what we were paying for, right? And so now both me and my co-founder every day, it's a matter of just consistency. Every day we write little essays, we put them on LinkedIn, we we read books, we uh, and then create little book reviews for them. Um, it's a matter of like what you're doing. You're trying to provide people value. You're trying to help people. And by focusing on helping people on these channels, um, naturally they they come back and talk to you, right? And so that's that's something that we we're, we've pivoted on the last uh, few months. So for for those of you trying to crack this problem, if you're you know if you don't have the millions for paid acquisition without a brand, then you really have to focus on your personal brand first and go from there. Did you have time to think about company culture? Is it something that you are trying to develop as well in, in the communication, external communication, internal communication, specific you know, values? I, you know, we, we, that's a, that's, I think that's an area of improvement. We, we definitely have internal company values, but we don't talk about them explicitly um, with, uh, you know, in our marketing material. But um, we, maybe we sort of do indirectly. So oftentimes, and I think this is good advice too for, for marketing. It's like, what, what do you value? Um, because that, that can really stand out and it's better than the, the flattering statistics that a company can quote. Um, so when I talk to a new customer that we get through one of these leads, uh, you know, through our, our, our LinkedIn leads, because me and, and Jacqueline, my co-founder, are creating content, um, we'll be upfront and we'll ask, uh, we'll tell a team, uh, a lead, hey, thank you so much for your interest. They'll ask us about pricing and we'll say, here's the thing, before I go into the pricing, I'm going to be upfront. It's more expensive than you might be thinking, especially if you're thinking you're going to pay $20 an hour for a software developer. The reason, um, uh, the reason it's more expensive and why we think it's a good trade-off is because we believe that in order to access developers that are really talented, the kinds of developers that maybe Google wants to work with, we have to provide them with a great experience. And here's the advantage is that providing a great experience in like Colombia or Argentina is not as expensive as providing a great experience in San Francisco, California. Therefore, it's worth it to stand out by paying for the Apple equipment, paying for premium health insurance above and beyond the national programs, uh, the snacks in the office and the coffee and all those things. 
And if you don't believe the same thing, then maybe this isn't the best solution for you. And so it took us a while to kind of come up with the courage to, to, to describe that these are the things that we value. And of course, it filters people out. But when it doesn't filter people out, people are, are selecting uh, themselves in and they're very committed to the vision and it's much easier to, to close that sale. So um, I don't, I don't, we don't talk about our culture, uh, our internal like company uh, uh, values like courage and planning and humor and so on. I think it's, it's better to express the, the values in this way uh, to find customers that share those, those values. What do you think are the most significant impacts? Our company in total is about 220 people with uh, seven offices across Latin America and a small headquarters in Austin, Texas. So we actually see, uh, I've seen probably over a hundred different teams uh, over the course of, of the company that I've personally kind of helped to manage. And I was a part of, especially at the beginning, beginning of the company. Um, and I'm starting to see a, a slow shift, right? So when we started the company, the big value proposition for companies in the U.S. were that we could help them set up their offices in another country and then have their teammates come to those offices and we assign country managers and take care of the offices and the people and, and provide kind of remote management in partnership with, the, with those teams in the U.S. Then COVID happened. And all of a sudden, that wasn't a big, uh, that wasn't such a big draw anymore because everybody was working all across the, the space. And what I'm starting to see now is slowly and a few like hints here and there that maybe the, the complete remote uh, workplace only isn't going to be the, maybe the, the trend that lasts another five years. I don't have a strong opinion on it, but I, I'll just kind of share some of the uh some of the conversations I've been having recently that I haven't been having over, you know, maybe two years ago. And the most common question that teams give me now is, what about like a hybrid solution? Like, is that is that possible? So is it um, possible to set up an office uh, where people can come in a few days out of the week? Maybe I focus on hiring just in one city or just in two cities so people can come together and, and go home as needed. Um, and that provides some, for those of you who are geeks about what it's like in different countries, it, uh, the, the answer is always yes, but a little tidbit in a country like Bogota, it could take you an hour to go, you know, maybe a few kilometers from your apartment to the, the workplace. So we, we kind of help manage all of those things. But that is what I'm seeing is that in, in uh, you know, more recently now there's, there's uh, more trends to that hybrid. And if I had to guess... I think um, I've also seen like very uh, junior teammates struggle in remote only environments. I think that from what I've observed in my own personal opinion, that if you're very, very junior, you, you rely on the more senior teammates to help you. And it might be hard to form that kind of personal connection if you're not actually seeing the person uh, day to day in person, having lunch with them, having coffee. And so I wonder if like in the next five years, We'll go back to, you know, maybe not fully completely in the office, but mostly in the office, not not two days a week in the office, but four days a week in the office. And some teams might be completely back in. Uh, we'll see. I, I think if that trend continues, it'll be there. Um, uh, but yeah, that's the kind of the latest uh, 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 trend I've been seeing with these teams.
What I'd like to see for our company in the next five years is that we 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 become the default the default infrastructure for how to manage teams all over the world. Right. So right now we're focused on Latin America uh, because it's great for our companies uh, in the U.S. who want to overlap um, overlap in in real time collaboration. And we're mostly focused on software developers. However, we've been doing experiments with all sorts of teammates. So these are teammates that are um, product designers, project managers, accountants, marketers, and so on. And we don't really see any reason why a, a team in the United States to completely open up its uh, access to talent couldn't do this uh, with other teammates and around the world, right? So if they have specific needs, maybe they have customers in uh, Europe and in the UK, then there's an infrastructure there for these companies to also provide. And also the other way around, maybe in, people in the UK are, um, it's some, often they'll work in uh, um, uh, 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 Asian countries, maybe they want a little more overlap. And so they want to work in, in uh, like Brazil or so on, where it's only about two or three hours uh, behind uh, UK time. So in the future, that that's what I would love to see for us and, and our co-founder is that uh, Howdy that uh, is uh, a the default sort of team building platform for face to face experience, in person uh, marketing, unique local benefits, a way to really uh, build teams across across the globe and help retain them and keep them together. If you're interested in hiring teammates around the world, uh, whether they're uh, software developers, marketers, project managers, and so on, give us a visit at howdy.com. I'm also active on LinkedIn and Twitter, where you can find me uh, sharing a lot of the things that I've learned about starting a business, about marketing, about being a software developer and building products. Uh, it can be really painful, and so I love to share these things. Number one, it's kind of therapeutic, but number two, people have found it really useful. So you can also find me on LinkedIn at uh, LinkedIn, whatever that URL is. I think it's linkedin.com slash in slash Frank, L-I-C-E-A. That's my last name, Licea. And then finally, follow me on Twitter. You can, I'll share more of my, um, everything that me and Jacqueline are learning, building our business. So you can find me on Twitter at Frank Licea Howdy. Uh, that's my, my tag. Again, my last name is Licea, L-I-C-E-A. 21st Century Entrepreneurship with Martin Piskarik. Imagine a space where triumphs, trials, and tales of entrepreneurship come alive. Welcome to the 21st Century Entrepreneurship Podcast, a gold-awarded journey hosted by Martin Piskorik, connecting with listeners in 95 countries and ranking in the top 0.5% of all podcasts. Join our exclusive community, Elevate your perspective and embark on the path 
to success. 